Many progressives now claim Jesus was a socialist. Is this true? And what does the Bible teach about this provocative issue? Find out on today's episode of A View from the Wall. Join I Am A Watchman Ministries Managing Editor Joe Kerr with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View From The Wall. Welcome to A View From The Wall. I'm Dylan Burroughs, joined with co-host Joseph Kerr, and we are honored to be with you today. As we consider the chaotic events in today's world, the political view of socialism continues to find popularity. Some even claim Jesus was a socialist, using the claim as proof socialism should be implemented in our society. Joining us today is Dr. Lawrence Reed. He's President Emeritus and Senior Fellow at the Foundation for Economic Education in Atlanta, Georgia. He's the author or editor of 15 books, including his latest title was Jesus, a Socialist. Dr. Reed, thank you for joining us today on A View from the Wall. Thank you, Dylan and Joe. I appreciate your uh, having me. Uh, We appreciate you being with us today, and this topic is so important as we look at what is happening in our world today, and it's one of these things where people know about it, but they don't really know what it is when we talk about socialism. So we'll start right at the beginning. Many have heard the term socialism, but they're unclear what it is. So talk about that, if you would, to start. What is socialism? Why is it an important topic for us to consider? Okay, let me begin to answer that uh, by telling your listeners, what socialism is not. Uh, It's often sold as uh, sharing stuff with people, caring for people, just a compassionate system, free things, uh, that kind of thing. That's the way it's sold. But in actuality, what it is, uh, is the concentration of earthly political power in the state or government for the purpose of either redistributing uh, the wealth that is earned by people in the economy, or by uh, uh, planning the economy, or by uh, government ownership of the means of production. And usually it ends up being uh, some combination of all three. Okay, so you mentioned a few of the things that I think people get confused with, that idea of fairness and equity and peace and eliminating poverty. Those those don't sound like bad ideas. Where is it that s- socialism goes off the rails? Well, socialism uh, makes a lot of promises, but it rarely tells you how it is going to carry those out, or its advocates rarely uh, tell you honestly how they're going to accomplish their objectives. Uh, It's important to recognize that what makes socialism different, uh, and therefore what makes it go off the rails uh, in your terms, Joe, uh, from other systems is that it involves the concentration of power and political force. In fact, that one word, force, uh, is so descriptive of what socialism is all about that I don't think you can really talk about it honestly without uh, uh, going into that in in some detail. If it's voluntary, it's not socialism. I mean, if it's voluntary, you can do that under capitalism. Uh, But what makes socialism different is it uh, uses the state in a forcible way to either take from some and give to others or plan other people's economy, or to uh, implement the ownership of the means of production by politicians. 
Well, Dr. Reed, if you look at the Bible, a lot of times people who emphasize that Christianity agrees with socialism will look at the first church in Acts chapter 2 and say they emphasized how believers were together, they shared everything they had in common, and they'll say this is evidence that socialism is a Christian concept, but that is clearly not the full story. Why is this different from what socialism provides? Well, in the book of Acts, we, we do learn that there was uh, a group of early Christians who decided that what they wanted to do uh, to help carry out uh, the mission of uh, spreading the message of Christianity would be to pool their resources and then distribute them from a common warehouse equally amongst each other. They weren't required, by the way, to sell everything that they had. The very next verse or two talks about uh, that they continued to meet in their own homes. Well, if you had to sell everything, you wouldn't have your own home. Right. Uh, so from the start, that arrangement was not uh, top-down, uh, mandated. Uh, government wasn't involved at all. It was voluntary. It was for those who chose to be a part of this particular group. And I might add, it died out. Uh, it did not continue. And 99% of all Christians who have ever lived on this planet have not lived under that kind of uh, economic arrangement, thankfully, because it invariably produces uh, economic disaster unless it's abandoned. Right. And well, it's important to point out that this was probably temporary as well. The first church in Jerusalem, it wasn't something that people did on a long-term basis. But Joe, jump in here. I know you have some other questions as well. Well, that wasn't a command in the first century church either. As Dr. Reed said, right. that was voluntary. It was something which we could do under a capitalist system now. And Christians should participate in programs to take care of the indigent and other problems that we see in society. And Christians have always done that from starting hospitals to feeding the poor and taking care of uh, situations where there are natural disasters and things. That's always been part of who we are as Christians. It's where you begin to enforce that, that it becomes a problem where you make it a law. You have to do it this way. You have to give this much money toward this project. We're taking over because you can't do it yourself. In one of your commentaries on yeah. this subject, you made an important point, which I think we need to distinguish for people because it's popular to put the word democratic in front of the word socialism and somehow that makes it okay. That doesn't render it completely benign, does it? Explain. That's right. It doesn't. But you have to give socialists some credit. <laughs> uh, they're decent marketers. Uh, they know that uh, if they just tried to sell socialism uh, without some uh, uh, adjective that made it sound better, they'd have a more difficult time. But, you know, uh, Hitler came to power democratically, and uh, you can't imagine anybody referring to his arrangement as democratic Nazism. There was nothing about that uh, uh, coming, uh, his coming to power through the democratic process that ameliorated what he ultimately did. Uh, you have to look at the, uh, uh, the moral foundations of a system as well as actual real-world outcomes. And on uh, both scores, socialism flops, and putting the word democratic in front of it uh, doesn't dress that up at all. Well, that's a great way to highlight this distinction, because like you said, marketing is an important factor in the popularity of socialism in our culture. So many people are easily deceived by the idea that socialism is beneficial to our society, that it's somehow compatible with our Christian belief, and that even Jesus was a socialist. And you are the expert on that, and I'm excited to come back in just a moment after our break and talk about your book, Was Jesus a Socialist? Stay with us. We'll be right back with more here on A View from the Wall.
From I Am A Watchman Ministries, here's today's I Am A Watchman Minute. Psalm 23 begins with the familiar phrase, The Lord is my shepherd. The shepherd leads his sheep to good things, symbolized by green pastures, still waters, and a banquet feast. Verse 4 reads, He restores or refreshes my soul. How great is that? However, these promises and blessings can only be received when God is our shepherd, when we are in relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus. For it is the shepherd that leads us to good things. We live in perilous and stressful times. However, there is a good shepherd who wants to guide and help us in our daily walk. The I Am A Watchman ministry does too. Visit IamAWatchman.com for free resources designed to equip and encourage. Be bold. Be faithful. Be a watchman. IamAWatchman.com Welcome back to A View from the Wall as Joe and I continue our discussion with Dr. Lawrence Reed, the author of Was Jesus a Socialist? We've discussed what socialism is, some of its concerns, but what about Jesus? Talk about that a little bit, if you would, Dr. Reed. How would you answer the question, was Jesus a socialist? Well, in my belief, I think it's plainly evident by reading uh, what Jesus had to teach and the entire New Testament that there was nothing in his teaching, uh, nothing in his ethics that uh, is compatible with what we know uh, socialism to be. He never said to anybody, now the answer to this problem is for you to concentrate power in earthly political entities. He never said that uh, uh, use the force of government uh, to rob Peter and pay Paul. He never uh, suggested that uh, the political organization we call government should uh, gobble up businesses and nationalize them uh, in the name of the general public. I mean, none of that stuff that uh, we know socialism is all about did Jesus ever advocate. He, in fact, I can't think of a single time where he ever said that the answer to this or that problem is the application of political force by politicians or bureaucrats. So those who claim that he was a socialist, I think, are not only uh, missing the broad point, the, the big picture, but they're running afoul of some very specific things that he said in defense of private property and defense of personal character and against things like theft uh, and uh, lording it over other people through political force. Why is it so important for people who embrace socialism to claim Jesus as one of their own? Well, if you were a socialist and your objective was to uh, bring socialism about, one of the things you can't help but notice is that about 2.3 billion people on the planet call themselves Christian. And in the United States, uh, uh, more than half of the American people identify as Christians of one particular faith or another. So that's a major obstacle if uh, you've got to get around somehow. And again, giving socialists credit uh, for their marketing, uh, they've decided, uh, many of them, to try to uh, get around that obstacle by claiming that Jesus would be, in fact, supportive of their objectives. Uh, but uh, as I point out in my book, Was Jesus a Socialist? Nothing could be further from the truth. But they understand that it would be very important uh, to win over uh, uh, Christians or those sympathetic to Christianity if they can somehow uh, tie Christianity with socialism. 
Well, it's an important way to highlight this emphasis. And as I continue thinking about this, I, I consider the evidence against the concept of Jesus as a socialist is such a key issue here. And your book offers three parables that are clearly anti-socialist that are from the New Testament. Take a moment to talk more about the importance of some of these parables that Jesus gave. Okay. Uh, yeah, Jesus tells nearly 40 parables uh, in the uh, New Testament, and many of them deal with things that are not economic in nature. They may right. deal with uh, uh, eschatology or salvation, uh, things of that nature, uh, uh, more spiritual matters. But there are three that have uh, an overwhelming economic content. One of them is uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. I actually had someone questioning me on a television show one time who suggested uh, that uh, that parable is a case for socialism because uh, you have an example of someone helping another person. Therefore, that's that's socialism, which is ridiculous because there's more helping of other people under capitalism than there ever is under socialism. Under socialism, most people need help uh, and aren't, aren't in a material position to help others. But think of the Good Samaritan story again. You've got a man walking along a road, and he comes upon another man who's been beaten to within an inch of his life, robbed, clearly in great need. And this other man, the Samaritan, uh, what does he do? Does he say to the man, well, there must be a political program for you, or maybe if you contact uh, uh, the, the emperor or, uh, or his authorities locally here, you, you know, you, that might be of some help, or, or go see your social worker, see you later. He doesn't do any of that stuff. He's a good Samaritan because he chooses to help the man in need of his own free will and with his own resources. Uh, that is not a case for socialism. There's no state, no government involved in that story at all. It's goodwill, one person helping another with no uh, bureaucracy in between. Another great uh, parable is the parable of the talents, which involves uh, a man who's leaving his estate for a period of time, and he entrusts three men with differing portions of his wealth and says, I'll check with you when I get back to see what you've done with it. And when he returns, again, this is a parable Jesus told. Uh, Jesus has the estate uh, owner saying to the three when he comes back, uh, okay, what'd you do with what I entrusted you with? The first man says, you'll be happy with me. I buried it in the backyard and I've got just as much as what you gave me. And uh, he is criticized by Jesus for not doing anything to magnify the wealth. And the second guy says, well, you'll be happy with me. I invested it and doubled or tripled its value. He's praised. And the third man, who is uh, able to claim that he uh, magnified the wealth by a greater factor, eight or ten times, perhaps, what uh, the estate owner entrusted him with, he is uh, praised the greatest. Uh, uh, in the parable that Jesus tells. And in fact, Jesus goes one step further and says, now we're going to take the wealth from the first guy who didn't know how to magnify it, and we're going to give it to the third guy because he clearly knows how to create wealth. Well, no socialist would ever <laughs> come to that conclusion. <laughs> so, and then another uh, great example involves the, uh, the feeding of the 5,000. This is uh, not a parable of Jesus uh, that he tells, but rather a a story about him and what he did on a certain occasion. You have 5,000 people who were gathering to hear him speak, and uh, his disciples say to him, uh, Jesus, what are we going to do here? 
these people are hungry. Uh, we only have uh, uh, a little bit of uh, bread and a little bit of fish, not nearly enough to feed these people. Well, the Bible says that Jesus then turned to Philip and said, uh, where can we buy what we need to feed these people? And the very next verse says that Jesus already knew what he was going to do. And of course, Philip doesn't know where to buy that kind of food uh, so quickly. So Jesus does what he intended to do all along, which is he turns that uh, little bit of bread and fish into enough food to feed everybody. He doesn't do it by pilfering a crumb from anybody else. He uh, uses his unique power to increase wealth, to uh, create it uh, completely anew, which is what uh, entrepreneurs do in a free economy all the time. If, If he had said to the disciples, if he were a socialist, I should say, he might have said to the disciples, well, go find a community of rich people and take their stuff and bring it here, or go rob a bank, or go, you know, go find a food pantry and rip them off and bring the stuff here to feed the 5,000. He doesn't uh, advocate or practice theft, as socialists do. He creates wealth uh, from nothing. Well, that's such a good point. And when we come back, we want to address the influence of socialism among millennials. And so stick with us. We'll be right back with more here on A View from the Wall. The Bible predicts the rapture of the church is coming. Are you ready? Soon many will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Only they will escape the dark days that are coming. A time of tribulation that will usher in the Antichrist and great destruction upon the entire earth. There's only one escape, one way, one light, one truth. His name is Jesus. He came and died so that we may live forever with Him. But to receive this new life, there are three things we must do. The ABCs of salvation. A. Admit you're a sinner and that you need a Savior. Ask for forgiveness and receive His grace. B. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He came, lived, died, rose again, and will come again. Believe that He is Lord and God. C. Commit to walk His path, the path He wants you to walk, and walk it out by faith. Then you'll be ready for the return of the Lord. To learn more about the rapture and how to know for sure, visit amiraptureready.org. Welcome back to A View from the Wall. In 2019, a YouGov poll found that 70% of American millennials stated they would vote for a socialist. We've shared why socialism is a concern and why Jesus is not a socialist. But Dr. Reed, as we continue our discussion in this final segment, discuss for a moment why millennials are more favorable towards socialism today. I think there are several reasons why the polls uh, show what they do in this regard, uh, Dylan and Joe. First of all, uh, millennials are most often responding to what they think socialism is. Uh, Many of them have been told in their schools and universities that socialism is nothing more than caring for people. It's just free stuff. It's it's people helping people. Well, who could be against that if that's really what it is? So that's part of the problem. They're also, uh, at that age, they are idealistic. uh, And so any philosophy that comes along and says, hey, we're all about helping people, will tend to to, uh, uh, be attractive to them. 
but if you press them a little harder, uh, you begin to see some different numbers. If you ask uh, millennials, for instance, uh, would you favor a system that punished you for your success? Uh, you wouldn't have anywhere near 70% say yes. Uh, if you start to describe socialism and word the polling questions that way, uh, I think you'd find some very different numbers. If you ask them, for instance, socialism has a terrible track record of impoverishing people and enslaving them at the same time. Do you support that? My guess is you wouldn't have 70% say yes. Right. Uh, so that's what's going on, I think, with a lot of those polls. It, and also, by the way, millennials show uh, in poll after poll that they like the idea of enterprise and innovation, cutting-edge stuff, technology, new inventions. They like that stuff. Well, you don't get that under socialism. You get that under innovative, competitive capitalism. As we look at some of the societies where socialism is the predominant philosophy, the way the government is run, what happens in those cultures? What happens under those systems of government? Can you give any positive examples of a country where socialism is the form of government? There are places in the world that are partly socialist and seem to be doing reasonably well. Uh, but when you look more closely, you begin to discover that if they're doing reasonably well, it's usually not because of the socialism that they have, but rather because of the capitalism that they haven't yet destroyed. If you go full-blown socialism, like uh, Venezuela or North Korea or Cuba, then you have complete, unmitigated, and undisputed disaster. Um, but if you, if you do a little bit of redistribution of wealth, a little bit of government ownership of the means of production, a little bit of central planning, yeah, you can, you can mess things up. You can do some pretty stupid things. You can even slow economic growth and retard the progress of society. But you may not uh, send it uh, to hell in a handbasket. Uh, but that's largely because of the stuff the socialists are not doing. If they still allow some degree of private enterprise and private property, people are uh, still going to produce uh, to some degree. But, uh, you know, that's the golden goose that the socialists... Uh, are trying to strangle, and if they go full measure, they will kill it. One of the fundamental ideas behind socialism is this utopian idea that if we could just enforce somehow peace and prosperity by giving all the control to the government, because they know better about everything than we do, you can create a perfect society. We all live in peace and harmony and hold hands and sing kumbaya, but that just doesn't work. And as Christians, we know there's a fundamental underlying reason why. Talk about that for a minute. Okay. Uh, socialism ultimately doesn't work because it misplaces your faith. Instead of putting trust in God and in yourself and the talents that God gave you, it says, no, put your trust in earthly politicians and their political power. Uh, what could go wrong? Exactly. <laughs> if you look at uh, the history of socialism, you find over and over again that, that power corrupts. I mean, that was the great uh, advice from Lord Acton 150 years ago. Power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. And uh, that's one thing that socialists uh, refuse to acknowledge. They just think that if you have good intentions and people that uh, really want to do good, just give them lots of power and good things will happen. I'm sorry, that just isn't human nature. It's not even history. 
Well, that is a good way to summarize it. And as we come near the close of our program today, we like to conclude each program with a word of encouragement, as well as a challenge to those who consider themselves watchmen or watchwomen. They are watching and warning and witnessing, seeking to finish well in what the Bible calls the last days. So if you would take a moment to encourage those who are listening today. Yes, I know there's a temptation these days uh, when you see so many bad things happening uh, to maybe give up or to uh, fret about it. Uh, I think uh, uh, fretting about uh, events is, is, if it's not a sin, it comes close because uh, that basically says that you're not putting your trust where it ought to be. Uh, We are called, all of us as Christians, to be the best people we can be, no matter the circumstances to focus on our spiritual salvation, uh, the gifts that God gave us, and our ability to make change for the better in the world. Uh, the moment we stop doing any of that, I think we simply hasten the uh, at least short-term victory of uh, the forces of evil. So I, I would just encourage uh, all your watchmen and women to live up to the high standards that Jesus called us to. Don't let the circumstances of the moment deter you from doing what you know to be right and maintain uh, a spirit of compassion and love for others as Jesus taught and uh, be the best example you can be. That's the way we're going to ultimately be effective uh, in this world by example, not so much by what we say, but what we do. I love that. Such encouraging words to those listening today. And if people would like more information on this topic in your book, Was Jesus a Socialist? Where should they go? They can go to the organization I am with, fee.org. They can buy the book there on the bookstore, but they can also get it from the major booksellers like Barnes & Noble or from Amazon. Just type in, Was Jesus a Socialist? Look for my name, Lawrence Reed, and it's pretty easy to find. Great. Well, also, don't forget his own blog, LawrenceWReed.com. That's LawrenceWReed.com. has a great blog where you can catch up on a lot of his latest articles and the things he's doing around the nation. And we appreciate you being with us for this special program, Dr. Reed. We look forward to being with you again in the future. Thank you so much, Dylan and Joe. I have enjoyed the, uh, the time together very much. And for all those who are listening, we appreciate you being with us today. And we look forward to joining you next time here on A View from the Wall. A View from the Wall, in association with I Am a Watchman Ministries, exists to equip a worldwide audience with biblical truth, sharing it with others, and being prepared for Christ's imminent return. The team seeks to encourage, inspire, and equip watchmen for such a time as this. For information about the ministry and upcoming events, visit IamAWatchman.com. A View from the Wall is made possible by the team of dedicated pastors, editors, and the many contributors of I Am A Watchman Ministries. To support our efforts, give online at IamAWatchman.com and click on the Donate button. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time on A View from the Wall.